<laughs> that is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 11 of The Complete Works, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the wondrous world of Goldblum is my friend, co-host and fellow Goldblumaniac. Mike Tricia. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. And honestly, I was thrown for a loot when you didn't say fellow Cageaholic because I forgot what podcast <laughs> we're doing. <laughs> We've been Woof. doing this one for 11 episodes now. You could have like it's been roughly I mean, we started this podcast in January, I think. Right. So it's been about yeah. five months that we've been <laughs> we've been doing the Goldblum one. You would think you'd be used to it by now. Yeah. But, you know, it's like four years of of Cageaholics and now we're Goldblum maniacs. It's tough. Sure. You know? It's tough to uh, beat the Cageaholics out of your brains, although we're probably going to become Cageaholics again at some point, uh, just based on the news that came out this week that Nicolas Cage just signed on to star in a Tiger King TV show where he's going to play Joe Exotic, which is insane. Uh, Wasn't there just a TV show with Joe Exotic? Like, why? Like, come on. I mean, well, yeah, the real the the real Joe Exotic, the actual Tiger King documentary show. This is going to be like a a scripted version of that documentary, I guess, which is also co-created by the guy who did American Vandal. So like, Mm, hopefully, hopefully pretty cool. I think the idea of Nicolas Cage headlining a Tiger King TV show is kind of exciting to me just because, A, we're huge Nicolas Cage fans. B, there's going to be a pretty high profile project since like, you know, everybody's kind of trying to jump on the Tiger King hype train. I'm just saying the cage assance, it's in full swing, baby. Still going. It's still going on. We got a Tiger King show and that other that weird thing that he's doing where he's going to play himself. And hopefully <laughs> one day National Treasure three uh, <laughs> throwing it That's out the there. end game. I, I feel it's got to be. I mean, National Treasure Endgame is where he's going to bring together all the disparate <laughs> groups from <laughs> the National Treasure cinematic universe. It's going to be in. Sean Bean, Harvey Keitel. Uh, who is the bad guy in the second one? <laughs> uh, who knows? John Voight? No. John Voight's his dad. Yeah, but isn't he bad? I don't remember. Uh, no, no, he he's works with them. I mean, the second one, they all think Nicolas Cage and his family is bad because they came uh, from bad people. Or yeah, who was it? Oh, God damn it. Why can't I remember? Some Jack Cardi motherfucker. It was, no, it was somebody good. I, I feel like it was like somebody <laughs> known in National Treasure 2. Gonna drive me insane. Uh, we'll we're gonna look that, We're going to look that up when we play the trailer for this movie, Mike. But uh, we got to intro it first. Uh, once in a generation, a film gets released that really captures the cultural zeitgeist in such a way that it becomes instantly iconic. And of course, I'm talking about National Treasure 2. This is a film that just about everybody knows decades after its release, even if not everybody has seen it, only because it was so pervasive at the time and elements of the movie still carry weight in pop culture today. In the 70s, there were probably a couple of movies that could qualify for that status. But there's only one movie that completely defines the disco movement of that era. Like the two go hand in hand. When you think disco, you think of this movie. I am, of course, talking about Saturday Night Fever with with John Travolta, (laughs) which is not the movie we're discussing today on this podcast. Instead, I'm going to take you to about six months into the future after Saturday Night Fever came out when Jeff Goldblum starred in a movie that desperately wanted to be Saturday Night Fever. And it was called... Thank God it's Friday. Hello, you're on the air. Hello? Hello? Am I on? 
You're on. What would you like to talk about? What everybody's talking about. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. Thank God it's Friday. The movie that shows how truly splendid man can be when he's free and natural. Give me a dime, will you? We are out for action tonight. You're 34. <laughs> and, and you're 37. Isn't that amazing? Something about that Idaho water. Thank God it's... Friday! Friday! You can go home. As soon as you're drunk, I'll take advantage of you. I'm afraid of what's happening here. I beg you to look like a monkey and run the elevator, not one or the other. Hey, baby, you want to dance? Huh? Oh, oh. oh, A simple no would have sufficed. I'm Marv Gomez. Guys? I'm Bob Surely? Didn't you come here looking for some action? Yeah. Still looking. I want you to get me out of here! Let's hear it for the Come on, Where you do at the shop? Now, baby. Where you do at the shop? Woo! That guy, he is a creep. How do I know? How do you know? Heavy polyester. All right, that was the trailer for Thank God It's Friday. And by the way, we just looked up who the bad guy in National Treasure Book of Secrets was. It was Ed Harris. Throwing it out there. Ed Harris, how could we forget? That was the Rock reunion. Yes, that's right. Nicolas Cage, Ed Harris, back together again, back uh, being each other's nemesis. Can't believe we forgot that Ed Harris was uh, the bad guy in Nash Treasure 2. Shame on us. If you want to go listen to our podcast about it, that was many, many years ago, but you can go find it in the archives somewhere. Uh, So we should note at the top uh, that in our last episode, uh, which was when we reviewed Remember My Name, I mentioned that this, thank God it's Friday, was Jeff Goldblum's first leading role and I guess I was wrong about that. <laughs> you definitely uh, might have oversold uh, how important Goldblum is in this movie. I think I did. I just assumed it because he got top billing on Wikipedia uh, when I was looking up who was in the movie, and he plays the owner of the club. So I was like, oh, well, he must be the main character of the movie. Um, Logic would dictate. Yes, but this is definitely an ensemble cast uh, in the vein of American Graffiti or Days and Confused, a bunch of young people getting into misadventures and crazy situations over the course of one night. So he's really got a solid supporting role. And out of all the actual actors in this movie, I think he's definitely the one who went on to have the biggest career. Now, I'm saying actual actors because a couple of people here are not really actors. They are singers. Uh, This movie was a co-production between Columbia Pictures and Motown Productions, the film and television arm of Barry Gordy's Motown Records. And basically for about 20 years, uh, they would produce movies that would feature either the biggest stars in their label or the up and coming talent they wanted to promote. So probably their most famous production also came out in in 1978, uh, Sidney Lumet's adaptation of The Wiz, starring Diana Ross and uh, Michael Jackson. Uh, Also, also. Motown movie also came out around this time. So for the big music sensation of Thank God It's Friday, Motown Productions brought on Donna Summer, whose career had only broken through a few years earlier, and this movie would end up kicking off a string of huge hits for her over the next few years. And it is, in fact, the source of one of her most well-known songs, Last Dance. Now, Last Dance 
huge hit pretty much immediately. It's a song that, you know, people still know immediately today. It's a song that, you know, everybody recognizes. I would assume, Mike, as soon as the song came out of the movie, I assume you were like, hey, that's Last Dance. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's the that's the appropriate reaction is, is you going, <laughs> hey, that's Last Dance. All right, that's there you that go. Thing. Yeah, there you go. That, that song hit number three in the Billboard Hot 100 chart when it was released. It won the Grammy for Best Female R&B Performance, and it even won this movie a Golden Globe and an Oscar for Best Original Song. Uh, so this is the Academy Award winning. Thank God it's Friday, Mike. Just uh, throwing it out there. Uh, it's Class up the joint. It's absolutely a case of a song that quickly outshined the movie that it was in. <laughs> <laughs> um, to the point where most people don't realize it was a movie song originally. I didn't until we uh, did this episode, actually. Uh, you contrast that with uh, Stayin' Alive, which is a huge song in its own right, but it's also deeply connected to Saturday Night Fever. You know, the part of the image of that song is John Travolta strutting down the street. And just to note, Stayin' Alive, not even nominated for Best Original Song at the Oscars. <laughs> My God. <laughs> so that's one point to thank God it's Friday that uh, we've got on our side here, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> who's the real ripoff you know <laughs> exactly uh so jeff goldblum stars in this movie as tony demarco the owner of a disco club called the zoo where all the action takes place uh it's got a huge ensemble cast you've got deborah winger from movies like an officer and a gentleman in terms of endearment as jennifer a new girl in town who's being shown the disco by her friend maddie who's played by robin menken donna summer is here as nicole sims a young singer just looking to be heard in this crazy world of disco this would also be the only time that Donna Summer ever played a fictional character in a movie, although she did show up as Urkel's aunt on a couple episodes of Family Matters. Uh, oh. So there is that. Uh, I have not seen those episodes. I kind of want to see them now. Uh, it should be fun. <laughs> also in the movie is a uh, Dwayne Jesse, better known as Otis Day, aka the guy who sings Shout in Animal House. Uh, That's right. He, he plays Floyd, the delivery guy, trying to bring the equipment for the band to the club. And Ray Vite as Bobby Speed, the DJ. Uh, Valerie Landsberg, who would go on to star in the TV series Fame in the 80s. She plays Franny, a teenage girl who desperately wants to win the dance contest. And her friend Jeannie is played by Terry Nunn, who would go on to be the lead singer in the band Berlin. Uh, best known for the song Take My Breath Away from Top Gun. Um, Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. That's the appropriate reaction to that one right there. I actually saw Berlin live last year opening for the B-52s. It was a good show. Wow. <laughs> and the crowd went nuts for Take My Breath Away, Mike. It was really cool. Oh, I'm sure. Uh, Paul Jabara, a songwriter who actually wrote Last Dance uh, and also co-wrote It's Raining Men, by the way. Uh, he plays Carl, a guy looking for girls who gets trapped in the stairwell. John Friedrich, known for movies like The Wanderers and a movie that we saw at the, uh, the Hudson Horror Show, The Final Terror. Uh, he appears as Carl's buddy Ken, also looking for women he's the guy who uh pops up at the end of the movie and kind of hooks up with jennifer at the end uh yep. so he's there maria small from movies like one floor of the cuckoo's nest and woody allen sleeper uh she plays jackie the heavy with a pink hair who seduces dave played by mark leno who is the husband of sue the woman who goldblum's character is trying to sleep with she's played by andrea howard best known for starring in the nude bomb the get smart movie featuring the return of don adams as maxwell smart and finally Chick Venera plays Marv Gomez, a.k.a. The Leatherman. Um, he's a guy who lives to dance, and Venera is best known for serving as a voice double for Joe Pesci uh, in a lot of his movies, and also voiced Pesto in Animaniacs, which was a parody of Joe Pesci's character in Goodfellas. Uh, My God, <laughs> layers upon layers. Exactly. Plus, the Commodores appear in this movie as themselves, uh, which is a pretty cool cameo. They perform a couple of their biggest songs, like Too Hot to Try and Brick House on the soundtrack. Uh, now, thank God it's Friday. And by the way, that's when the Commodores still had Lionel Richie in the band, too. So he's in the movie. Uh, oh, yeah, he's in there. there. 
he's in there. Uh, now, thank God it's Friday. It has a couple of uh, major names for producers, too. Uh, Lauren Schuler and Rob Cohen. Schuler produced a ton of movies along with her husband, Richard Donner, who is the director of Lethal Weapon and The Goonies and a lot of big stuff. Uh, and that includes most of the X-Men movies. She's a huge producer on those. And Rob Cohen moved into directing shortly after this, eventually pairing up with Vin Diesel for the two most important films in history, uh, The Fast and the Furious and the original Triple X. Uh, <laughs> wow, changed cinema forever. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and those two movies came out like back to back. It was like 2001, 2002. Uh, so that's just like, man, what a combo right there. Uh, <laughs> the movie was written by Armion Bernstein, who also co-wrote Francis Ford Coppola's One from the Heart and would go on to be a prolific producer as well. He produced Air Force One with Harrison Ford and it was directed by Robert Klein, who would go on to write movies like National Lampoon's European Vacation uh, and the original Weekend at Bernie's before returning to the director's chair for the critically acclaimed classic Weekend at Bernie's 2. <laughs> Uh, I believe these are the only two movies he directed, by the way, the, uh, this movie and Weekend at Bernie's, too. So there is that on his resume as well. Thank God It's Friday was released on May 19th, 1978. And if you weren't seeing it, then you may have been seeing the other music movie, which was released just a day earlier. The Buddy Holly Story, which was a biopic starring Gary Busey as Buddy Holly. Uh, which that was back when Gary Busey wasn't insane. So it might've been, Mm. (laughs) I think I've heard, I've heard pretty good things about the Buddy Holly story. I've not seen the movie, um, but from what I understand, it kind of became the template for music biopics going forward. Uh, Like every biopic since then has like owed a lot of its, the the way it's structured to this movie. Uh, Thank God it's Friday had a budget of about $2 million and managed to take in about 7 million. Uh, So certainly a modest success at the box office, though the money they raked in from record sales is probably where the real profits came in. Uh, they even released the soundtrack about six weeks in advance of the movie uh, just to build up the hype for Thank God wow. It's Friday. Uh, so the IMDb plot synopsis for Thank God It's Friday reads, A Friday in the life of the disco club, the zoo, where the staff and clients meet and dance their lives away. So, Mike, we watched Thank God It's Friday on the Criterion channel about, like, the day before it expired. <laughs> Yeah, um, we, we were on the clock and had a couple hours left before before it was gone. Exactly. So uh, it was it was as part of the Criterion channels. Um, they had a thing in April uh, featuring like 70s fashion icons. It's also where we watched um, Annie Hall for this podcast as well. Yes. Uh, and thank God it's Friday was on there and it expired at the end of April. Uh, but it's an odd choice to be included on the Criterion channel, I think. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, like it, it feels like the kind of movie that could only be really included on there as part of a collection like that, like 70s fashion movies, I guess. Um, yeah, just. Considering the other movies that are on Criterion Channel, like, thank God it's Friday, kind of sticks out as a weird one. Um, but we got to watch it on the Criterion Channel. It expired. Uh, so unfortunately, it's not there to stream anymore, but you can rent it on Amazon and stuff like that. So, Mike, overall, what were your thoughts on Thank God It's Friday? Uh, my overall thoughts was, uh, man, if this movie was maybe 60 minutes long, uh, if it was about a half hour shorter, this movie would have been a firecracker. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, it needs the Chaffee Mall cut for real to cross over jokes between <laughs> podcasts. It's nine. It's like a full like I think it's like 92 or 93 minutes or something like that. And yeah. the first like 20 minutes, like everyone they're trying to get to the club and we're bouncing around between the characters, uh, you know, the kids trying to sneak in and the two sets of friends, the girls there, like, you know, they spill the soda on themselves and the burger. I don't know. Like there's a bunch of like goofs happening on sure. the way everyone get into the club, the middle aged couple coming out of the restaurant <laughs> drunk and the wife's like, let's go dancing, uh, you know, that stuff that stuff is fun and and the the opening uh credits song is like sh- the theme from shaft which is the it's, funny i mean it's not actually the theme from shaft but <laughs> it's got this call and response 
That Absolutely. is the it's, best thing it ever. Is a, it is a banger. It's a, it's a fantastic <laughs> opening song. It's, a, it's called Thank God It's Friday by Love and Kisses uh, is the name of the band that sings it. And, uh, man, it's awesome. And it goes on for a long time. <laughs> it's a long opening song. Yeah. Um, it feels very much like a movie, music video at that point uh, where it's yep. just like, you know, montages of fluorescent signs and funky disco um so yeah i feel like it's the first act is really fun and goofy and lighthearted and and you know uh all that stuff but then once everyone gets to the club and uh, we're just kind of bouncing around between the different characters and what they're doing it just absolutely grinds to a halt for me uh it stopped being very funny uh it's just was like i didn't really care we spent a lot of time on that that uh greasy short dude that's trying to set up let's <laughs> meet his blind date who's just is all very uncomfortable um, which i'm sure we'll get into uh so yeah, I mean, it just—I felt like if 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 it had been an hour-long TV movie, I probably would have really liked this, and it just would have been goofy, silly, more about the music, uh, and stuff like that. But it just spends way too much time not really doing anything for me to actually enjoy this movie. Fair enough. Uh, I will say I kind of liked it. Thought it was pretty good. Right. <laughs> I thought it was—I thought it was fun enough. It was a good enough time yeah. with a mostly fun group of characters. I agree with you that the short guy stuff is really is. Not good. That's like my least favorite part of the movie. Uh, It doesn't really work. But uh, for the most part, I think most of these characters are pretty fun to be around. Uh, And I just really love like one crazy day slash night kind of movies, like the kind of things that just take place over the course of an evening. Usually it's like a lot of like young people, ensemble movies, and it dives right into the culture of an era like American Graffiti, uh, which this movie is obviously taking some cues from. Uh, and also like Days and Confused and those kind of movies. I, I really like that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. And I love movies that have great soundtracks. Uh, it's a, it, it, like <laughs> I, I really enjoy just kind of vibe into this movie. <laughs> like, yeah, you're right. You know, I was uh, just kind of hanging out on my couch for an hour and a half. And, you know, even if the story wasn't always grabbing me, like there was usually a pretty good song playing that I could kind of just bob my head to while I was watching the movie. So even if like, you know, there's stuff in the movie that doesn't work, I'm always like enjoying something like, you know, there's there's comedy songs playing in the background and that kind of thing. And, you know, they play Brick House, which is great and all that stuff. So, yeah, I I enjoy (laughs) I enjoy hearing music I like. And yeah. I'm realizing that that might be the bare minimum of like just to get me to like a movie is it's, to play a song that I like. <laughs> <laughs> it's the Bohemian Rhapsody effect. Where sure. It's like, you know, yeah. you put good music over something. I'm probably going to like it. Well, yeah. And that was the thing with Bohemian Rhapsody, which is a movie that uh, I don't think is very good. But I didn't hate watching it in the theater because it played a lot of Queen music. And I was kind of like, yeah, look at this Queen music that's going around. <laughs> I don't think it should have won any of the awards that it got at the Oscars. But, you know, it, it, play, it played uh, We Will Rock You. I can't say no to that, you know. That's exciting. <laughs> Um, but Jeff Goldblum is in Thank God It's Friday. He's uh, the manager of the club. He plays Tony DeMarco. Uh, and I, again, I thought he was going to be a bigger role in the movie. He really is like like he's one of the first names you see, but it's also like alphabetical. So it just happens to be <laughs> it happens to be like he's one of the first three names in there. But, uh, you know, he's he's probably like maybe the sixth or seventh most important character in this movie. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I would guess. Uh, but what did you think of Jeff Goldblum in Thank God It's Friday, Mike? Um, I mean, he's got he's got a very fun uh, bit associated with his character, even though he's not involved in it at all. He's got this beautiful Porsche that he like, you know, is very particular about. And he's gets yeah. a wrap, puts the car wrap over it in the parking lot and then uh, just continuously gets hit <laughs> by cars in the parking lot, yes. which was fun. That's a fun goof. Um, but his character overall, I mean, yeah, he's fine. He's sleazy and gross. And it makes sense as like a. Uh, 70s disco club owner guy that like has a jewelry store in his club i guess for some reason i don't know that was weird um (laughs) and he's just trying to hook up with all these different girls and that that whole bit uh where 
he keeps walking whenever he walks through the club he sees multiple girls that he's like oh yeah we're supposed to be on a date and like right. you know the, there's one joke where like a girl's like oh i left my green sweater at your apartment and he's like oh yeah i'll bring it back to you and he meets the next girl and it's she's like oh it's my birthday and he's like oh i just got you a lovely green sweater um <laughs> that, that was, was my great. favorite uh, that was my favorite exchange in the movie actually that was really yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um yeah yeah i mean he's fine he, he's fun he's fun as like this kind of gross sleazy uh uh smooth talking club owner guy you know yeah sure i think he's good uh it almost feels like he should have a bigger role even though yeah. I, i'm like i'm trying to like almost like apologize for the fact that he doesn't have a bigger role in this movie because i said he did uh but he i feel like you know he's the owner of the club i think he could have been like the connecting tissue for the entire movie where like you know people like interact with him throughout the night and like he you know like somebody he moves over here and then he cuts this person and that kind of thing uh i think that could have been a device this movie uses and it doesn't really he's just another character in the movie essentially um but i think he plays it pretty well he's charming he's sleazy uh the buttons on his shirt are open all the way down to his stomach <laughs> yep. basically which is you know fun to watch uh and he spends most of his screen time trying to hook up with susan uh the married woman who's basically convinced her husband dave to check out the disco for some excitement like you mentioned before uh she and dave like exit the restaurant like early in the movie and she's like let's go to the disco and he's like no uh no i'm doing woody <laughs> allen like oh okay <laughs> yeah he's just he's the worst i hated dave so much <laughs> uh and you know goldblum's trying to hook up with the married woman and that's not great but like dave sucks and like <laughs> at some point at a certain point i was like like i know goldblum's only saying like nice things to her at the end to try to get her to come home with them but like dave sucks man <laughs> like <laughs> really I, I i have no reason to root for dave at any point in this movie and i'm just like hey goldblum is, is at least charismatic she should go home with goldblum uh and then it kind of ends with goldblum getting his comeuppance uh when his car like collapses in front of him uh because <laughs> yeah. everybody's been because everybody's been hitting it all night which is pretty funny but it's like yep. <laughs> again dave sucks <laughs> like this should be this should be Dave's car that's collapsing and not Goldblum's. Like I feel like this the arc of this character should have been, wow, my husband sucks, and here's Goldblum who turns out to be a very sweet guy or something like that. Like there's, you know, I feel like something there where it's like maybe he like learns the error of his ways and he like realizes like, oh wow, I'm actually in love with Susan now, and you know he and Susan actually fall in love or something, and then he <laughs> like it becomes a like her a story about her like leaving this toxic marriage and her rejoining with Goldblum or whatever and finding a passion, uh, and it's not that. Like Dave shows up at the end and he's like, I want you back. And she's like, okay. And like, that's all right. Basically it. Uh, so I, I feel like they gave the comeuppance to the wrong character. In yeah. This movie. Like even like right before that, Dave is like high on Coke and he like jumps on tar a guy, Tarzan, who's like <laughs> oh jumping into the, into the middle of the dance contest and he collapses on the floor. And Susan's like, Oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> Just pulling her collar. Like, oh boy. <laughs> yeah uh, yeah i mean yeah. that whole relationship was just a mess uh but yeah. I, I did like some of the stuff with dave uh once he gets drugged and yes, that was yeah, pretty there, fun there's some funny stuff in there but just like as a as a person as a human being <laughs> <laughs> yeah like fuck dave man <laughs> you're right uh but yeah so goldblum he is uh i think he's solid in the movie but how do you think this role fits into the roles that we've seen jeff goldblum play so far mike um, I feel like it's a, a missed opportunity, like you said, to be that kind of uh, like man on tricycle character again, like he was in Nashville, where he's kind of the connective thing where like we sort of follow him <laughs> in and out of the different scenes. Yeah, man on uh, motorcycle, I think you mean. 
You said you well, said tricycle. I did say tricycle, but he does the thing does have three wheels. I think it does have actual... three wheels. Uh, is it tricycle? Okay. I, when you say I tricycle, remember. I think of like an actual like child's tricycle. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> Which would have been great. I wish that was the case with Nashville, where Gil Bloom's like the same character, cowboy hat, leather jacket, and everything, but he's just like on a pink five year old's tricycle or something. That'd be great. <laughs> I, I would be all about that. I'm in. That sounds like some of the characters he would go on to play in like Wes Anderson movies where like he's just <laughs> happens to be on a tricycle for some reason. Yes. But yeah, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't it doesn't have like any any direct thing uh, connection. I mean, it's he's sleazy and gross like he was when he was like street punk guys. Uh, right. But not quite that. Uh, he's a business owner like he was in Remember My Name. Look at yep. that. Uh, yeah, I was kind of that it. too. Yeah, I mean, he's the boss like he is in Remember My Name and and I guess California Split, although I'm not sure if he's the boss in that movie or just works there and wants to talk to, you know, George Siegel, whatever. But I think he seems much more in his element as a business owner in this movie. Um, than in those movies like he really like this is the kind of like business that i would expect jeff goldblum to own (laughs) in real life in real life yes exactly like i wouldn't expect jeff goldblum to own like a retail store i would expect him to own a disco you know he just strikes me as a disco guy uh also i'm encouraging jeff goldblum to open a disco in real life and that would be great uh once once all the coronavirus stuff like starts to wind down jeff goldblum needs to announce his disco and that'll be like the first big party of (laughs) Oh, save the year world. or something. Exactly. Uh, but I think this feels closest to his role in Between the Lines. Um, yeah. And just both as a continuation of the Jeff Goldblum persona that he that he like really kind of fully formed in that movie. And as a somewhat similar character, too. They're both like, you know, lady killers who all the girls are after and that kind of thing. Like, you know, mm-hmm. it, it's I think it's much more like that here than in Between the Lines, where he's just, you know, the cool older, you know, rock critic. And he's like teaching a class full of women and he's like at the bar and he's talking to them and stuff like that. But in, in this movie, it's like very explicit, like he's hooking up with like, you know, 18 different girls at this bar. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> all at the same night. Uh, and it's like, hey, man, good good for you, I guess. But uh, I guess. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, th- I think he's very solid in the movie. Uh, so what are the what are the moments or scenes that stood out to you? And thank God it's Friday, Mike. Every Floyd scene was just the funniest thing ever. The Floyd scenes are absolutely the highlight of the movie for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, especially because it's Otis Day, which is hilarious. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah, and just how we keep cutting uh, the, the and the whole running bit of uh, uh, I forget the the DJ's name. Um, uh, Bobby Speed. Bobby Speed. Yes, that he's live on being broadcast live on air, and he's promised yep. the Commodores are going to perform, uh, and they're not there yet. And then they show up, and they don't have their instruments, and right. he just keeps like you know oh, this next tune goes out to my friend Floyd, who better make it on time, uh, <laughs> and like all that stuff. And then we cut to the van with Floyd with all the instruments, and he just keeps getting pulled over. And he's got Right. to perform to prove that he didn't steal the, the instruments yes. and stuff <laughs> when it cut back to floyd and he's playing like the saxophone in front of the cops just to like yeah like, it's, it's the best it's great uh all that stuff I, anything with bobby speed or floyd i was like all in they're greats uh i really like yeah. those i also love the scene where bobby speed like the guy at the other end of the radio is like yelling at bobby and like where are the commodores you said they would be here and he pretends to be all of the commodores uh, <laughs> yeah <laughs> he's like oh man what's going on that bobby speed is a great dj haha and like all that stuff it's it's pretty yeah. good um but for, I, I think we really need to mention the fact that the uh, the columbia logo dances at the beginning of the movie mike oh that's right <laughs> that, that was as soon as it happened i was like yes <laughs> here we is, go like i was already in as soon as that happened i was like all right i'm gonna like this movie and i did uh <laughs> like the like it's you know it's the traditional columbia logo it's the woman with the torch and everything and then like you know for a couple of seconds like it turns into a cartoon and it starts like doing a little boogie uh yeah. and it's great and you know the song thank god it's friday starts playing and it rules and it's you know a, couple minutes and it's just like that song it's just so much fun <laughs> i really liked it it's like that chorus of thank god it's Friday. 
and then it's you get the perfect. deep the deep baritone voice going, oh yeah it's friday <laughs> yeah <laughs> and that's it yeah. that's the entire song for like four minutes that's it. I remember seeing a tweet along to, uh, you know, recently or a couple months ago or something that was anytime a studio logo gets messed up in the beginning of a movie, you know, shit's about to go down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they were talking about like it or Birds of Prey or something didn't mess yeah. around with that. I forget. Exactly I, I remember uh, Spider-Verse messed around with that. And, and when they did that yeah. in Spider-Verse, I was like, oh, here we go. Because <laughs> <laughs> Sp- Spider-Verse, I think, does it almost better than like every other movie that's ever done it, where it's like, you know, 18 million different logos just all happen like at once kind of thing. Thing. like yeah. it like statics out and it shows like different things with the, i think it's the columbia logo again actually because it's a sony thing um yeah. and so you have like it turns into like a cowboy thing and it turns it's like all these different alt universe logos that right. pop up where this is getting into like some really nerdy territory <laughs> where we're like I love it. dissecting the logos at the beginnings of movies i also love when um, the indiana jones movies every single one of those takes the paramount logo and like transitions yes. it into um like the mountainside or whatever that's always really cool that's cool uh, yes exactly uh also i was watching lilo and stitch recently and the disney logo kind of has like an alien thing going on um inside oh it, which yeah is, yeah it's pretty neat um but all right off of the logos <laughs> <laughs> for, for a bit we'll come back to that later uh the the first few minutes of the movie are just kind of setting the scene you know meeting most of our characters on the way to the zoo we see bobby speed setting up the dj booth uh we see genie and franny on their way over to talk about how they want to win the dance contest uh so they can score kiss tickets that's like their whole goal in the movie right. uh we see susan and dave leaving the restaurant uh and we see jennifer driving with her friend where she spills a drink on her and wipes it up with a hamburger <laughs> Yep. Which, yeah, that's pretty funny. It's just good. It's good. good old, good old fashioned humor right there. Uh, and then Goldblum drives up and he's, you know, all confidence. He, uh, I think he like, he's checking himself out in the mirror and he says like gorgeous. And he like stands <laughs> up. Uh, and then he covers his car up so that it doesn't get scratched. And as soon as he leaves, it gets hit twice. Uh, yep. <laughs> which is pretty good. Yeah. And then, uh, when, when she throws the hand, she uses the hamburger to, to sop up the soda and throws it out the window into the car of the other two guys. Yes. Uh, which is great. And the guy won't put his glasses on because he wants to look cool, even though he's blind. So he can't drive, but he can't drive good. Uh, yep. It's it's peak, you know, peak broad comedy. Love it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, and this is, I think, a very broad comedy. It's not like, you know, it's not something that I'm like going to for how clever it is. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of like over the top stuff and a lot of like physical. There's some physical comedy going on in here. Actually, Deborah Winger has a really great physical comedy bit um, <laughs> as Jennifer, where she's making a mess at the bar. Um, she's like spilling drinks and accidentally hitting people. And like every time she like goes to clean it up, like she hits something else. And it's yeah, it's good stuff. It's, it's yeah, I, I laughed. I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> Eat your heart out, Chevy Chase, you know? <laughs> exactly. And it keeps happening. She keeps, uh, like, somebody, you know, a guy will try to pick her up. And she's like, no, I'm not interested, whatever. And then she, like, one of them, she moves moves over and, like, goes to lean against the table. And the whole table flips over with everyone sitting yep. at it. It's fun, <laughs> fun stuff, you know? Yes, exactly. Uh, so Goldblum's, like, making his way around the club. He talks to a guy in the elevator about wearing a monkey costume. He's <laughs> like, I pay, like I'm, pay, I'm paying you to wear a monkey costume, not stand around in the elevator. Or do both or whatever. Like, uh, I don't know. It's a weird like it's and it just like adds to the like oh this is a very odd place that Goldblum has decided to open up and run yes (laughs) there's just a guy in a monkey costume and everyone I think I think what I like about this movie also is that there's a lot of like weird shit happening on like in the background there's like you know Tarzan jumping down and there's the guy in the monkey costume and everyone's just kind of like yeah whatever It's 1978, baby. Right. We don't but care. It, it, it felt like a very accurate reflection of like going to a club and being like, huh? Yeah. Weird shit happening. All right. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> sure. 
Of course there's an uh, arcade in this club. Yes, exactly. Of course there's like a weird wine and cheese room that's the size of the dance floor on <laughs> behind yeah. the club or whatever. It's very strange. Um, but yeah, so Goldblum and Bobby Speed, they uh, they bet each other to see whether Goldblum can take Susan home. Uh, and Susan's already going crazy in Dave's view because she like unzips the front of her dress. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's like a little bit of cleavage showing and Dave is like, what are you doing? Whoa. Like, uh, Dave sucks, man. He's just Dave sucks. <laughs> He's the worst. Uh, there's one point where, you know, they're ordering drinks uh, and the drinks come over and, and they're like, oh, that'll be five dollars. Uh, and Dave is outraged. <laughs> How dare. <laughs> and he like and he like pulls out a calculator and starts like calculating the, the cost and stuff like that. <laughs> like, oh man, Dave sucks. That's, this that's is the, fuck the, running, the fuck Dave episode. This is the fuck Dave episode. This is the running theme of the podcast today is that Dave, man, he sucks. Uh so Goldblum shows up, he introduces himself, takes Susan to dance, and that's you know around the time you know Dave starts to get jealous, and then he ends up meeting up with the hippie girl, the uh, the pink haired one who you know, mm-hmm. he goes out to dance with her and he's just trying to make Susan jealous. And it's a whole back and forth. And we cut away from them for a while. But then when we come back, Dave and the hippie girl are like, man, blah, 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 blah. I'm Dave. And like, <laughs> <laughs> it's been a few days since I've watched this. I don't remember the exact dialogue, but that's about the gist of it. And so Dave uh, ends up like taking doing like coke or something with the hippie girl. Like she ends up giving him like some drugs. Uh, yeah, she, she, she gives him some pills. Yeah, she keeps feeding him different drugs, I think. It's like he mm-hmm. just gets hopped up on everything uh, and should try to be like, be exciting and like make Susan jealous. Uh, and it's just not working the entire time until eventually, <laughs> I guess it does. Like, <laughs> I forget what she she the hippie girl says, like, oh, Dave, Dave is dead. You're now Baba something. Kazoo. She, Baba Kazoo. That's right. <laughs> and he's running around with his tie on his head. It's good. It's great. Yeah. Except it's Dave. So it sucks, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yes, Dave sucks, but I did really enjoy the Baba Kazoo thing. I thought that was really funny. <laughs> uh, yeah, and Bob, Bobby Speed, I think, again, my favorite character in the movie. I talked about the scene where he um, pretends to be all the Commodores. That's really great. Shirley and Gus, we should talk about them for a bit. Uh, that's yes. the uh, the really tall girl and the really short guy that um, kind of like is set up together. Uh, that's, I think, the least successful part of the movie. I think it's mostly annoying because Gus is yeah. so obnoxious, so over the top. Uh, I think it does end well. When Shirley punches Gus, uh, yeah, she he's like yelling at her like you're an old maid, and she punches him, and she's like an old maid with a great right hook, you bastard, and she runs and off, storms out, and she storms out, and then like she runs into Ken, and Ken's like, hey baby, want to dance? And she punches him too, <laughs> yeah. uh, which was pretty great. But uh, yeah, so you, you specifically mentioned the Shirley and Gus stuff before, Mike. So I mean, what was your take on all that? Uh, it just it was just one of the examples, I guess, is the the most glaring. Uh, like character, you know, subplot that I just didn't care about and wish had been yeah. cut out of the last 30 minutes or whatever, or like, you know, in the 30 minutes that I want this movie to trim, all of that should go. Um, <laughs> and it's just, it was gross. Like it felt really gross and weird. And I think because Gus is so obnoxious and stuff and it was like, he just, he just felt like he was trying to be a Belushi, even, even though he's not, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yes. Yeah. It was one of those characters and, um, I just didn't really care. And then like the whole thing, like it goes on so long, like we keep cutting to them and the, when he's outside and he like throws the guy off the payphone to call the computer company that matched them or whatever, right. uh, which is hilarious to think about. Like, I guess that's what online dating was in <laughs> 1978. Yeah. Uh, and it was, I don't know, like, you know what I mean? It was just, I, I didn't want, and I didn't want this plot line anywhere. Um, I guess yes so that's fair i mean i think uh i think it was worth it for the way it ends again i like like it's a very satisfying punch that when shirley punches yeah. him uh so i did enjoy that but yeah uh i i would 
definitely have taken out like 50% of that in order to get <laughs> in order to get to that point, I think. Um, but while all that's going on, like we mentioned, like a lot of different subplots just now, uh, Donna Summer's there and uh, she's trying yes. to get Bobby Speed's attention and uh, tries to sing on the mic before it kicks her out and all that stuff. I feel like Donna Summer's not in the movie that much uh, is no. something I also thought about. Like it's, it, it, which is, it seemed weird because it seems like she's like the main reason to watch this movie, right? It's, I mean, it's where Last Dance comes from and it's the whole thing and it kind of kicked off you know, a huge string of hits for her and her career. Uh, so you would think she'd be in the movie more. You <laughs> yeah. It's kind of like the same thing with the Commodores where I was like, you got them in the movie. Like, why are they not here yet? Even though that, <laughs> I guess that makes sense. I mean, that is the plot of the movies that the Commodores haven't shown up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know, but it's like, why would that be the whole thing? Uh, but yeah, I guess maybe with Donna summer, I don't know, like the whole timeline of her career, maybe this, she was the up and comer that they were highlighting. Um, so right. she's kind of only s- featured a little bit, but it seems like she should be the main character we're following through the club instead of just being one of the characters. Right. Uh, and, and even then her role as one of the ensemble is very small compared to some of the other ones. Yeah. I mean, you see her like in the opening montage, she's like picking out a dress or whatever. And she's like, oh, I'm going to go to the club. I'm going to go sing tonight. And they're like, yeah. okay. Um, <laughs> and, and then, you know, she, you see her kind of walking around the club a little bit. She like enters. And then, you know, basically the next time you see her is at that moment where she's trying to get Bobby Speed attention um and she sings a little bit on the mic and he kind of kicks her out she accidentally knocks over some records uh and then you don't see her again for like a while uh i think i think the next time you see her is when she's crying in the bathroom like an hour later <laughs> yeah yeah when uh, all the characters are in the bathroom yeah which i like that i like that scene a lot actually where it's i think it's Jeannie, susan nicole and jennifer all crying in the bathroom um, yeah. And, you know, they're all part of different stories, not really acknowledging each other. They're all just like kind of crying separately. Um, but like still, it's just, like the presence of them all being there, kind of just, like supporting each other wordlessly at the same mm-hmm. time. I like that. That was pretty cool. And like a cool way to kind of bring those characters together before they kind of branch out again and go off on their own stories. And like ultimately, I think I'm pretty sure they all like Jeannie. Uh, Jeannie's only there. Uh, I mean, Jeannie's the one who is um, the lead singer of Berlin. Uh, mm. and she's only there because her friend needs to win the dance contest. And so she's, I guess she's crying because her friend is, can't enter the dance contest. <laughs> I dance don't contest. remember exactly. Uh, neither could I, but Susan's crying because, you know, Dave's being an asshole and she's not sure whether she should go home with Jeff Goldblum. Uh, and Nicole Donna summer is crying because she's not given being given the chance to sing. And Jennifer is crying because she, uh, feels abandoned by her friend who I think has just left her. Right. This, uh, Deborah Winger's character. And, uh, she's also like, you know, she wants to meet somebody at the club and that kind of thing. And they're all crying and having despair stories uh, but then they all uh, this is like the moment like right before they all go out and like succeed in the end so it's like it's cool it's a cool way to bring them all together right before that yeah i thought that was a neat little uh avengers moment <laughs> yeah <laughs> just like the, the team all the characters come together um, exactly the national treasure end game of <laughs> that's right of thank god it's friday <laughs> of disco movies exactly um, <laughs> so genie genie and franny we should talk about them a little bit because i really enjoyed watching like they, they were a lot of fun to me um genie yeah. who's the lead uh, terry nunn the lead singer of berlin and franny who's valerie landsberg who's on the tv show fame they sneak in through the men's bathroom uh and they're you know in the club like they're just kind of like the underage girls who really want to win this dance contest so they can go get t- kiss tickets uh and they team up with the leather man uh <laughs> who's, uh, who just lives for the dance uh and also the leather man scene um where he uh, teaches he teaches ken how to dance uh and it's like a little yeah. impromptu number on the cars in the parking lot that's great. Yeah. This movie should be just that for 90 <laughs> minutes. And I would have been like, yes, under uh, a plus across the Let's board. Go. That would, it would have been great if it was just that cutting away every once in a while for Floyd to play the drums uh, <laughs> by, while being pulled over. Like the, you got a perfect movie right there. The, like That's I can right. see why it would be on the Criterion channel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty funny that this movie has 
a plot line that would be the entire focus of another movie, like a like a book smart or like one like, you know, super bad thing where it's these right. two underage high school kids sneaking into a disco club to win a dance contest to get concert tickets. That's like an entire that's a whole other comedy movie. Right. That would be its own thing. <laughs> I think that's rock and roll high school, right? That's the whole plot of that movie. It's, yeah, that's really. a large. I mean, it's similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's just like one of the throwaway plot lines in this movie. Um, that's true. So that's pretty fun. But yeah, yeah the I would have I would have been fine if that was the whole plot. Like uh, if this was just like a one of those kind of like, you know, one crazy high school kids movie um kind of thing right uh but yeah and then and then the Leatherman dance movie number i thought that i kind of thought that's what this whole movie was gonna be when i was going into it like i knew it was produced by or co-produced by motown yeah and like i assumed it would just be like dance numbers and music number like us like a half musical kind of thing right um and it is much more narrative than it i expect it to be uh because that that scene is just like a musical like a full-on dance number with <laughs> makes, makes no sense like he's dancing across the roofs and hoods of cars like breaking windows denting hoods and stuff like yep. that and everyone's just like yeah woo, like cheering him on um <laughs> and that's fine that's fun yeah yeah it's just a, a, a nice little delightful reprieve and then he like crashes through a car a car roof uh, at the end of it which yeah. is pretty funny too um but yeah so the whole genie and franny stuff i thought was like one of the better plot lines in the movie i thought they had a lot they were a lot of fun together uh one moment i also really liked in the movie um there's the moment where Jen- this is a small thing but like jennifer is like dancing with a guy on the dance floor and one guy comes in he's like hey mind if i cut in uh and she She's like, oh, yeah, sure. And then, like, he, like, kind of cuts in, but he's, like, actually dancing with the guy that she was dancing with. Uh, yeah. And, she, and she's like, oh, okay. And she, like, <laughs> she, and she feels, like, really embarrassed. Uh, but I think there's, like, a, a casual acknowledgement in this movie of the, uh, the gay subcultures of 70s disco here. Um, yeah. And it's never overt. It's not part of any of the main storylines. But it's there, and it's just like a part of the setting, and it never like demonizes it in any way. And I thought that was just kind of neat. Mm. It's it a kind of like there's you know the one thing where when Jeannie and Franny sneak through the men's bathroom, there's a guy in women's clothing and clothing, and he's like checking his makeup at the mirror, and everybody's yeah. just like, yeah, it's, they're kind of fine with it. Like, again, <laughs> just yeah, kinda, like it's, it's just part of the culture there, which I think is kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty interesting. Uh, there's like that one bit later on where that person, uh, I think one of the, uh, I can't remember the, the two guys' names that like are f- trying to hook up with all the babes. Uh, uh, I think one, one of them is Ken. And the other one is the guy who gets caught in the stairwell. Uh. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So Ken uh, walks up to that person and is like, "Oh, hey, hey, like you want to dance?" And they turn around and it's that person from the men's room. And right. Ken is like, "Oh, okay, never mind, sorry." And like, it's it's not real. It's like goofy because he's embarrassed and it's not like a whole joke kind of thing. Right. Um, exactly. Which is it's I guess refreshing for what this could have been. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like like in uh, California Split with that whole I can't remember the, the the characters' names, but there was that whole that whole extended bit with the uh the two prostitutes and the one person that wants to right. be their friend to go out on the night the night on the town or whatever so yeah yeah look at that Pro- yeah. progressive bits almost i guess yeah. so there you go yeah so I, I did enjoy that aspect of the movie too so basically let's kind of fast forward to sort of the end of the movie the equipment for the commodores has still not arrived and you know bobby speed's freaking out doesn't know what he's going to do there's people yelling at him on the radio like well you said the commodores are going to be here and then uh donna summer she gets up and just kind of starts singing Let's Dance. And, you know, the, the music's still playing and nobody's really paying attention to her. But Bobby sees her and like he doesn't want to let, let her sing. But he eventually decides, OK, I got no choice. Let's her sing. And the entire crowd is like, whoa, is that Donna Summer? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> it's pretty crazy. Uh, but yeah, then you know, she goes in the last dance and uh, it's great. It's a banger. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. I like the the whole thing where the whole the, the guys on the radio are like, 
want this live performance and the Commodores aren't there yet. And, and, uh, Bobby speeds like, fine, fine. You want a live performance? Like your funeral, whatever. And he like puts the record on that Nicole yes. gave him and like covers his ears, uh, which was very funny. And then she starts singing and it's last dance. And then mu- music happens. Uh, exactly. <laughs> music magic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you can yeah. tell the movie knows like, this is their big song. Like this is the showstopper right. right here. It's last dance. Uh, and you know, they play, like she sings it there and everybody's like really into it. And they play it again over the end credits of the movie and that kind of thing you know it's it's the big one for sure but yeah so last dance everybody applauds everybody's into it uh and nicole gets to sing so she's happy uh we get a scene where goldblum is trying to talk to susan and uh women keep interrupting him uh which is pretty yeah. funny like he's like he's trying to like confess his feelings for her and he's like you know oh when this night started i wanted to just sleep with you but now i realize you're a great person and all that stuff and you know it's weird the movie plays that very sincerely again um, yeah, but it is one of those things where it's like, hey, you can't really trust what Jeff Goldblum is saying, because, again, the movie like gives him a comeuppance at the end. It makes him be like, oh, he's the asshole. His car broke down. <laughs> right. you know, and, da- and Dave's the one she really belongs with. And it's like, again, this just it seems very confused as to what it's doing with the whole Goldblum, Susan, Dave triangle. Right. Because it seems like yeah. it's setting Goldblum up to be the nice guy for her to run to. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when that starts, I think so. But then uh, as he gets interrupted more and more and more. Yes. It's like, oh, he probably just uses this on everyone. Uh, this is his <laughs> this is his go to closer line. And then you know all the girls i forget what they're saying to him but they like each one interrupts him like oh we're gonna see you later today or tonight or something uh one of those kind of deals so that that's fun you know and then his car falls apart like completely falls (laughs) apart and that's that's a good goof (laughs) yes exactly so uh but he kind of convinces her that he should take her home a little bit but or he's he's not there she's not really sure what she wants to do um but he's like well why don't we just go watch the dance contest and she's like okay uh and so the dance contest starts and the commodore's equipment finally arrives the commodores are there they're playing too hot to trot it's great you know again just a fun soundtrack this movie has uh yeah. and that's when dave jumps onto tarzan as, as tarzan <laughs> swings down from the rafters uh and that's when susan just gets so embarrassed and she and goldblum just like all right let's go <laughs> yeah uh and they leave uh and then franny ends up teaming up with leatherman to uh to win the dance contest uh so they she gets in the dance contest uh they they lock leatherman's dance partner in the stairwell (laughs) yep and and which i thought was very fun yeah and she pairs up with stairwell guy uh so like they're they're dancing at the end of the movie is the last time you see them uh so that's pretty fun and uh you know they win the dance contest and she and genie and leatherman they're all like hey you know what there's a dance contest downtown too let's go win that and they leave the movie (laughs) And yeah, they go for another dance contest. Yeah, I, I was very nervous at first because they kind of I, th- I think they sort of like dance around a little bit at the beginning, whether or not they're like, oh, no, no, they do show them actually at high school. Right. But before, like in the very beginning of the, the like uh, the funky oh, dance yeah. number opening credits. Sure. And they and they can't um, get into the club immediately, too, because they're underage. Yeah. They try to get like fake IDs. They say they're like 36 or something from Idaho or whatever, which was very funny. Uh, and yeah. they have their <laughs> they're trying to pay the cover fee and change from a mason jar. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but then so like Leatherman's like, oh, like, hey, babies, like, you know, it's like kind of like I, I was nervous. I was like, oh, no, <laughs> like, please don't be gross. <laughs> I don't want this to be weird. Uh, but yeah. then it ends up like, you know, his his whole character just like he just lives to dance and that's all he cares about. And then it's like kind of very wholesome at the end when he's like, there's another dance contest, uh, you know, at one o'clock we can make. And they're like, let's go. And it's like this whole party yeah. uh, thing. So I, I was pleasantly surprised by what direction that could have taken <laughs> and yes. didn't. Uh, <laughs> and they basically decide they don't want to go to the kiss show anymore they love disco now that's like <laughs> they just want to win dance contests they just want to win dance contests they are here to chew bubble gum and win dance contests 
<laughs> and they're all out of bubble gum. But yeah, so then, you know, they won the dance contest uh, and everybody's kind of dispersing. The club's closing for the night. Goldblum leads Susan to his car. Dave runs out and, you know, he's doing his Dave thing. And he's like, blah, blah, blah. I'm Dave. And she's like, OK. And she leaves Goldblum and his car falls apart. And that's that's the end of that, basically. Yeah, that's uh, it. Yeah, it's a big old womp womp for Goldblum. And then uh, Nicole shows up, Donna Summer. She dances with Bobby Speed at the end. Uh, and then the last ones on the dance floor are Jennifer and Ken, who like just met moments ago uh, through like another physical comedy interaction where like one of them falls <laughs> and, you know, all that stuff, shenanigans. Uh, and, yep. you know, they're kind of they're dancing on the dance floor. The movie ends. Last Dance plays again over the credits. And uh, there you go. Thank God it's Friday. Yeah, this has uh, one of the goofiest things that I, I enjoy sometimes uh, where it's just like the end credits are a highlight reel of the movie you just watched because <laughs> yep. it's like, <laughs> like, you know, like, oh, the cast in order of appearance. And then it like will just show the character like you know the name and the character and just be like right remember uh and just show like two or three clips from the movie classic yeah, it's the pred- it's the predator credits uh yeah it's what i, it's what I think of. <laughs> yeah whenever i think of that happening in a movie and it happens in so many other movies but like for whatever reason i think i think because it's so out of place in predator <laughs> when it right because you know it's everyone at the end of predator everyone except for schwarzenegger and um maria conchito alonso i think or she in predator 2 I'm blanking on who uh, the woman in Predator is, but like they're the only ones who are still alive at the end of the movie. Um, yeah. And, and but then it has these like really upbeat credits where it shows all the characters <laughs> and just like, remember Carl Weathers and I remember Shane yeah. Black and all that stuff. It's pretty great. Uh, but yeah. So, yeah, this movie has Predator credits, uh, <laughs> which is, is a little more fitting for this one here. And so, yeah, it's a lot of fun. Just going to get a highlight reel, which was helpful for me, actually, just remembering the mm-hmm. characters and the actors who were in the movie for doing this podcast. I was like, oh, that was Ken. OK, <laughs> got it. We still don't know stairwell guy's name, though. Uh, I completely blanked a stairwell guy. Uh, I can uh, look that up real quick because I wasn't he... too worried about it. Okay, <laughs> fair <laughs> enough. But I, I mentioned him when I was talking through. That's uh, that's Paul Jabara, uh, who was the guy who actually wrote Last Dance is uh, who I was talking about ah. and also co-wrote It's Raining Men. Uh, and he's Carl. Carl is that character's name. Got it. Uh, so there you go. Carl and Ken, the dream team, uh, <laughs> as they're known. Who could forget Carl and Ken? How could we? Thank God it's Friday. Uh, all right. Any other thoughts about this movie, Mike? Thank God it's Friday before we move on to Letterboxd Reviews. Uh, no, I'm actually very curious to know what other people think of this movie, though. All right. Fair enough. Well, let's get into it. Here's some Letterboxd Reviews for Thank God It's Friday. A two and a half star review right here from Craig J. Clark, which reads a broad disco themed comedy set at a jungle themed disco called Zoo owned by Jeff Goldblum, where all manner of misfits on the make gather on a Friday night to let loose, or in the case of this place's elevator operator, go ape. (laughs) With with multiple plot lines to keep track of, it's only natural that some get short shrift, and the emphasis on physical comedy means there isn't much room for any other kind. Still, it's reasonably refreshing that this film features a transvestite character and two gay men dancing together, and nobody kicks up a fuss about them. True, they're not deemed worthy of having names or their own storylines but inclusion is inclusion (laughs) (laughs) yeah take the there there's a win right there it was the 70s i guess uh here's a four and a half star review from retro hound which reads what the heck is this doing on the criterion channel (laughs) (laughs) i don't know why i love this movie so much but i do and i'm glad it's there perhaps it's just one of those things where i saw it as a kid on tv and have loved it ever since Also, I don't ask more of the movie than it can give. It is just a great hangout movie with some fun characters. Marv Gomez, the Leatherman, is my hero. (laughs) (laughs) 
Uh, here's a four-star review from Dale Nortz, which reads, based on the vibe he's putting across in this film, 1978 Jeff Goldblum would have made an excellent Dracula. Whoa. <laughs> Wouldn't that have been incredible if, like, they just made a Dracula yes. movie with Jeff Goldblum? And he would have crushed it. It would have been incredible. <laughs> wow. That's some galaxy brain casting right there. Uh, Absolutely. Here's a, another review that has no rating from Dank Wit, uh, which reads, Pretty square, but way more entertaining than it probably has a right to be. Worth it to see Jeff Goldblum as Disco Stew. <laughs> also accurate. Yeah, Disco Stew from The Simpsons. Disco Stew. Oh, my advertise. God. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that tracks too. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Here's a three and a half star review from Wesley C. Thank God it's Friday walked, so Saturday Night Fever could run, <laughs> which um, <laughs> would would be accurate, except Saturday Night Fever came out six months before. <laughs> thank God it's Friday. Uh, but but sure, Saturday Night Fever ran, so that thank God it's Friday could briskly walk, pace itself behind it. Uh, mm -hmm. here, here's a three star review. I believe this is the last one from Noetic Hatter, uh, which starts with a quote. I do not want to stand online with a bunch of freaks and listen to loud music. Well, then you're at the wrong place, baby, because at the zoo, dancing is life. <laughs> Um, this cheesy, silly ensemble comedy brings together a wide variety of people for a night of pickups, shagging and boogieing down. I appreciate that the cast is full of normal and even dorky people, as well as the requisite beautiful types. Jeff Goldblum shines as the sleazy owner of the club, challenged by his DJ to bed the lovely but uptight and married Andrea Howard. Extra points for Andrea's having a Helen Slater thing going on. But my favorite character is Chick Venera as Marv Gomez, the leather man. He lives to dance and wearing leather makes him feel powerful. Wish I could buy two drinks at a club for 250 each incidentally uh no roller skates in sight for this one sadly <laughs> but but we do get a smoldering performance of last dance by donna summer and the commodores throw up the joint a bit uh one weird thing the film is definitely set in la but a number of the characters are straight out of new york city <laughs> which is pretty accurate actually yeah i was actually trying to place it in the movie like yeah it is i guess set in los angeles but like it's like the characters behave weirdly, I guess, if they were like set in Los Angeles, like there's just characters like I think Goldblum's character feels like a New York guy. Um, yeah. And a, few other, and a few others, like especially I think Gus also kind of feels like a guy who belongs in like a New York movie and that kind mm -hmm. of thing. Um, but yeah, that's Thank God It's Friday, kind of like all over the place as far as the reviews go. Uh, and, and it did not get good reviews when it came out, by the way. Uh, Roger Ebert, I believe, gave like a one and a half star review, uh, wow. which I was reading online the other day. And like there's a couple of other just completely like destroyed that movie. Uh, like, you know, it's one of those things where like the soundtrack was really the thing that they were trying to sell with this movie <laughs> and the movie mm -hmm. itself was pretty secondary, um, but it managed them an Oscar win. So <laughs> there you go. It's, it's a profit, I guess. Exactly. It joins the ranks of such acclaimed Academy Award winners as Suicide Squad uh, and Norbit and uh, yep. all these other great films. I think this is better than both of those movies, though, at least. So there is that. <laughs> uh, but yes, that's thank God it's Friday. And uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, I watched it on a Thursday, but I still felt like it was a Friday. <laughs> Yeah, that's good. <laughs> As I was watching the movie. Uh, all right. So I think that about wraps up this episode, Mike. So uh, any final thoughts on the movie and where can we find you online this week? Yeah, I wish that this uh, had, like I said, if this had been like a 60 minute TV movie, I would have probably really enjoyed it. Uh, yeah. But uh, like, it's fine, I guess. Like, whatever. Just a Ken Burns it, documentary it about disco. <laughs> Yeah, right? That would have been amazing. Uh, narrated by Jeff Goldblum. No, uh, go. uh, yeah, it would have been great. But I, as, as it stands, like, I don't know, it kind of it kind of grinds to a halt for me in the middle there. Uh, so, like, yeah, take it or leave it, I guess. If sure. you can find it for free, go ahead. 
Okay. Uh, so, yeah, and you can find me online at Twitter and Letterboxd at MDFilmBlog. And you can find me online at MSmithFilmBlog on Twitter, Mike Smith Film on Letterboxd, or Radio Mike Sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks for listening to The Complete Works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike DeCrecio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple Podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, hit us up at JeffGoldblumCompleteWorks at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on Rapture Press alongside The Review Zoo, a podcast about comic books and movie news and all that nerdy stuff. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at GoldblumPod. Our theme song, created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle'sPodcastThemes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycutt or at Jacob Honey on Twitter. Uh, join us next week on The Complete Works. Uh, we're talking an all-time sci-fi classic this time around, Mike, uh, when Goldblum plays a supporting role in Philip Kaufman's remake of Invasion of the Body Snatchers, which I am very excited to rewatch for this podcast, and I don't think you've ever seen the 70s version, right? Correct, yeah. I've seen the original 50s version, I assume, yes. um, but I've never seen the, the, the remake, the 70s one. Okay, yeah, I've seen the 50s one, which I believe was directed by Don, Don Siegel. Uh, I've seen the 70s one. I've also seen the one from 2007 with um, Daniel Craig and Nicole Kidman, uh, which was just yeah. called Invasion, I think. Oh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember that one being decent, too, actually. But uh, the 50s and 70s ones are both just outstanding. Uh, Abel Ferreira also made one in the 90s, which I have not seen, but I've heard pretty good things about, too. Uh, there's a lot of, like, really good adaptations of Invasion of the Body Snatchers out there, is, I guess, to my point. But uh, we are talking about one of the best and our next episode and Jeff Goldblum's in it. So pretty excited about that one. And we're putting out bonus episodes of Mike and Mike go to the movies while the quarantine is going on. So check those out too. Our next one going to be us talking the descent and Scooby-Doo on zombie Island, two movies that just go so well together. Uh, so thanks so much Peanut for listening guys. Exactly. And remember to go for the Goldblum. Three, two, one, sink. sink. Okay, that was good. Crushed it. That one worked. Nailed it in one, as far as the people know. Yes, except for Kyle. Kyle will know. Except for Kyle. You're right. Kyle will know. And now the people know that it took you three takes. Three takes to sync that up, because you're unprofessional. <laughs>